You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. what we accumulate over a lifetime could be wiped out in a moment. You can get sick. You have, God forbid you should have, get cancer or something. And the coverage that you have doesn't take care of all of your hospitals. I mean, things like that happen all the time to people. So how do we estimate wealth? I want you to think about that. So we are wealthy. Why? Because we confess the name of Jesus and therefore we are rich. Yes, Jacob had the promise of the land and of numerous descendants to fill it, but we have a heavenly kingdom. How exactly does one measure one's wealth? It's probably an important question that we should ask ourselves as believers from time to time. If the answer ever comes up as something relating to the physical, we might want to make a spiritual inventory check. As Pastor Mike will remind you in his message today, we as believers are recipients of immeasurable wealth. In his study, you'll learn that while we very well might lose everything we own, we'll never lose what we have in Christ. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 28 as he continues his message, God's Ladder. If God is with you, you, you can face anything that the future holds. And you don't have to be nervous about it or anxious about it. God is going to provide for all of your needs and he's going to protect you. He's there with you. When you look around and it seems as if you've been abandoned by everybody, God nevertheless is with you. So therefore, we should be very careful about the things that we get involved with because we might just forfeit the presence of God. Listen, I can face anything that I have to face. Sickness, illness, financial problems, people problems, church problems, ministry problems. I can face anything that's a part of my life's experience as long as I know that I've secured the presence of God. But if I've done something that I know I shouldn't have done, that would cause me to forfeit that presence, man, I'm a basket case. And I'm climbing the walls, man. Let me tell you something. Be very careful about the things that... Listen, you can't put a price on this sort of thing. This is extremely important. Remember, remember Moses? It's recorded for us. I'm not going to get into all of the details because time won't allow that because we're going to receive communion this morning. It's the first Sunday of the month. But remember in Exodus chapter 33 when uh, Moses, for the first time, went, out, uh, went up to 
uh, Mount Zion to receive, or was it Sinai? Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And while he's gone over a prolonged period of time, the people who are waiting down at the base of the mountain thought that they had been abandoned by Moses. So they cry out, you know, let us make gods. Uh, Moses is gone. God isn't concerned about us any longer. And so what did they do? They took all of the jewelry that they had taken from the Egyptians when they had left Egypt, and they threw them at the feet of Aaron. They were molted into a golden calf, and they begin to worship the golden calf. And then uh, God spoke to Moses while he was still up on the mountain, receiving the Ten Commandments, and then finally Moses makes his way down the mountain only to find that there's this revelry going around and all of these debauched practices and they're worshiping this false god, this, this golden calf, which was sort of a, uh, a god that they worshiped there in, in Egypt. They made themselves a god. And, uh, and Moses is just totally freaked out. At, at that point, Moses is just, he's ready to write these guys off, man, you know. And, you know, God, what did I do to deserve these kinds of people? They're always murmuring. They're always complaining. They're, they're a stiff-necked people. I don't want to lead them any longer. But then God recommissions Moses once again, and then he gives him the second tablets engraved with the Ten Commandments. But Moses at that point says, Lord, if I can't secure, if your presence doesn't go with me to lead these people going forward, I ain't going, basically is what he said. I'm paraphrasing there, but you see, he needed the assurance that he secured the presence of God. So this applies to everything that we have, whether you're raising a family in your home, making sure, and, and who's up for that task? Raising our children correctly. And uh, not making any mistakes and raising our children. Oh, man, that's quite an occupation. Or doing the right thing at work. Making the right decision, financial decisions. Or whatever. You fill, you know, you fill in the blank. You had better secured the presence of God. And then also, again, as I've already mentioned, and I think that this is more important than anything, don't do anything that would cause you to forfeit that presence within your life. It's one of the perks about being a child of God. Don't do anything that would forfeit it. Because remember, he's a holy God, and he can't be one with an unholy person. That is someone who continues in sin, continues and continues to live in sin. God will not be one with that person. You know, A.W. Pink, in his commentary on the book of, of Genesis, uh, was careful to notice concerning Jacob's experience. He said, and I quote, write down to where the fugitive lay, that is Jacob, the ladder came, and right up to God himself, the ladder reached. Gang, let me tell you something. This is the way that God reaches down to you and to me at this moment, no matter what your situation may be. So that's the first thing we take away from this blessing that was pronounced upon Jacob. Secondly, through this blessing, God spoke to Jacob's sense of being totally impoverished. Notice in verse 13, what did God say to him? He said, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. And then in verse 14, there'll be many spread out to the east and west, north and south. Now remember, prior to this, Jacob had possessed everything that a person of that day could ever have wanted. His family was rich. 
in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And all this had been Jacob's. But now he's on his own with nothing more than the animal transporting him could carry. And when, in fact, and we'll, we'll discover this later on when we, he arrives at the destination at his Uncle Laban's house, who, man, I tell you, and I mentioned this last time, was a real character. And, uh, you know, Jacob is known as the conniver, the supplanter, the heel catcher, right? He was the kind of a guy that if he could take advantage of you, he would. And uh, you wouldn't want to have met up with Jacob. But now Jacob is about to meet his match when he hooks up with his uncle Laban, who was the original car sale, used car salesman, believe me. And uh, we're gonna, it just goes to show you, whatsoever a man sows, that also shall he reap. Remember, he ripped off his brother's, the patriarchal blessing, he deceived his father, and now he's about to reap what he had sown. We'll get to that in one of our future studies. But finally, when he reaches that destination in Haran, at his uncle Laban's house, he had no gifts. But up until this point, Jacob was extremely rich. Just as those who confess the name of Jesus are rich today. That would be you and me. And, and how do we estimate richness or wealth? By having money in the bank? You know, something could happen tomorrow, and all of the money that you've saved and have up in your bank could be gone in a moment, in a flash. Something happens. Uh, your pipe breaks in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Patty. And uh, Patty just bought a house. Him and his wife, Karen, are going to be leaving us after how many years of being here? One of our elders. 26. It kills me. 26 years. And uh, anyway, he bought a house. And a couple of weeks ago, because they're not, he's, things are winding down for him here. He's just finishing up work and, and making all of the arrangements and making this transition and all of that. And uh, a pipe breaks, Right? And the upstairs bathroom floods the entire house. No one's there, so the water's been running now for how many days? Three, four. All of the ceilings collapsed, right? And they had to rip out all of the walls, put up new drywall. And, uh, and thank God there's insurance today. But insurance never pays the full amount anyway. And he's battling with them right now. I know. I've had a similar experience in my own, my own home, right? But all of what we accumulate over a lifetime could be wiped out in a moment. You can get sick. You have, God forbid you should have, get cancer or something. And the coverage that you have doesn't take care of all of your hospitals. I mean, things like that happen all the time to people. So how do we estimate wealth? I want you to think about that. So we are wealthy. Why? Because we confess the name of Jesus, and therefore we are rich. Yes, Jacob had the promise of the land and of numerous descendants to fill it, but we have a heavenly kingdom. Now remember on Thursday evening, our Thursday evening for the last couple of weeks has sort of become a mini-series within our series, King of Kings, because in chapter 5 we've moved into the Sermon on the Mount, which is pretty extensive, and we've been breaking it down for you. And last Thursday, as Phil had mentioned, we address the subject of the Lord's Prayer. We broke it down petition by t petition, and, and uh, we took a look at a, a real close look at all of those things that are recorded there for us in response to Jesus' disciples asking him to teach them to pray. And so we learned a lot about prayer on Thursday evening. Well, anyway, one of the petitions that we are to pray when uh, we go to the Lord is, Thy kingdom come. 
And I mentioned in that message last Thursday, and if you aren't here, get a copy of that. You can, well, just go to our website and listen to it. It's archived. Uh, I had suggested to you that there are two different aspects of the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of God within us. You say, what do I mean, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 17 tells us that the kingdom of Christ is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the experience. Those are things that God places within his people. Righteousness, peace, and joy. It's a work of grace within our life. It's a part of that heavenly, it's a part of the kingdom of God. So the first aspect of that kingdom is the kingdom of God within us. But then, of course, we also have the promise that we shall enjoy that kingdom which shall come when Christ comes the second time and establishes his kingdom of righteousness upon the earth and with all those who love him as well and are looking for his coming. We'll be able to participate and enter into that kingdom. Folks, the point is, is that we are rich. You might not have a lot of money in your pocket right now, but let me tell you something. You have a bright future ahead. And so don't ever lose sight of that fact. And so God ministered to Jacob in that way. But then notice also the third way that this blessing also spoke to Jacob was to his shame and his dishonor. You see, Jacob was dishonored. In what way? Well, having cheated his brother Esau, tricking his father Isaac, you see, word got out. And, you know, the things that we do have a way of getting around to other people, don't they? And so Jacob is not only fleeing for his life, but he's also fleeing in disgrace. You know, people around him, the servants and others. How could Jacob do something like that to his father and to his brother? Now, to this, God says, notice in verse 14, how did God speak to this? All people on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Demonstrating, now think about this, however bad we have, may have acted in the past, and God only knows some of the bonehead things that we've done in the past, and I put myself in that category. However ashamed we may be, God is always able to begin there with us and make us a channel of blessing to others. It's never too late. That's the point. Only God has the ability to be able to do that. No matter how bad things have gotten of our own making, right? So what about you? Are there things that you've done in the past that you're ashamed of? Maybe even in the present. I don't know. And you're just devastated over what you have done in the past. Maybe right now when you're just waiting for the hammer to fall, right? You're just kind of looking over your shoulder. Hey, listen, here's the good news. You're thinking you forfeited God's presence. God can never, ever use you ever again, right? You, made, you might as well just, you know, write yourself off and bail out of this Christianity thing. Hey, listen, God is able to start over with you right there. Nothing is too hard for him. But what do we need to do? Well, we need to just simply confess our sin and allow God to forgive us and cleanse us 
and then go on into the direction that he leads. And then finally, fourthly, God, through this blessing, addresses Jacob's fear of the future. Notice in verse 15, let's go back to our text. He says, I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now listen, think about this. Up until this revelation, as I mentioned before, Jacob at this point wasn't even looking for God. He was absolutely surprised when God revealed himself to him through this dream and spoke to him and pronounced this blessing upon him. So up until this revelation, Jacob had cause to be afraid. As we've already mentioned, he's alone in a hostile land. He imagined his brother Esau lurking in every shadow, leaping from behind every rock. He's wondering, would he ever be able to go back home again? And in response to that, God says, hey, Jacob, I am with you. And in fact, I'm going to bring you back. Listen, gang, this might be your own experience right now. But here's the good news. God is with you. God is watching over you. You don't have to fear tomorrow. And let me throw this again into the mix. Even in spite of what Jacob had done, how he had gone astray, using deception to do that. He sinned to do that. And nevertheless, God was with him. You know what that's called? What is it called? Someone. Grace. There you go. The unmerited favor of God. Listen, grace like that should turn us from sin. It should help keep us upon the straight and the narrow. So, God, so gang, listen, this is what we take away from all of this. There's a ladder. There's a bridge to God. And who would that bridge and ladder to God be? Well, this is, this is the most exciting part of this message. So if you haven't heard anything that I said up until this point, bear with me. Because in John's gospel, I'm going to ask every one of you to turn there with me. This is pretty exciting. In John's Gospel in chapter 1, where we're introduced to, in our cast of characters, a bunch of Jesus' followers, early followers, and uh, in John's Gospel in chapter uh, 1, in beginning in verse uh, 45, and uh, Philip, first of all, is a, is a follower of Jesus. I, and we're not given all of the details of how he became a follower of uh, Jesus. Maybe he was introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist. He might have been a disciple of John the Baptist. We're not sure. Anyway, let's pick up in our story in, let's see, where should we, uh, let's pick up in verse 43 of chapter 1. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael. Notice there's sort of like a domino effect going on here. You know, one person gets saved. He's so excited about him being saved. He wants to find others that he cares about to bring them to Christ. That's evangelism, man, right there. That's personal evangelism. That's friendship evangelism. That's what each and every one of us should be doing. We should be going out of it. We should be so jazzed and excited about our own relationship with the Lord we should be doing whatever we can possibly do to bring others to Christ, to get them here, that they might hear the word of God, that they may come to the same experience that, 
that you experience in walking with uh, God and, and knowing uh, him. Well, anyway, and Nathanael said to him in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So the idea is we found the Savior. And Nathanael said to him, now catch this, Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold an Israelite, indeed in him in whom is no deceit. It's as if Jesus already knew who Nathanael was, what Nathanael was all about. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, what do you think Nathaniel was doing when he was sitting under the fig tree? Come on, somebody. He was reading the scriptures. And exactly what text of scripture do you think he was reading? Well, here's a hint. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? Listen, Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He personalized what Nathaniel was reading from the book of Genesis, from the Pentateuch, that which had been written by Moses himself. Do you see that? In other words, Jesus is the latter. Jesus himself said, no one comes unto the Father except through me. Jesus is the bridge. Jesus, the ever-present companion to the lonely, giving wealth to the destitute. He's the glory of the base, the rock and fortress of the one who is afraid. He is God. I commend you to the one who came to bridge the gap between a holy heaven and a sinful world. Look up, gang, and see him. Embrace him. I don't know everyone that's here, and I suppose that everyone that's here has already made a decision or a commitment to Christ, but if you haven't, look up to Jesus. He's the ladder. He's the bridge whereby we can make a connection with God the Father. So look up, see him, embrace him as your Lord and Savior. You'll go away saying, surely the Lord was in this place. And when I first walked through those doors on 37th Street, surely I wasn't aware of it. This very spot, think about it, can be your Bethel if you'll make that decision and choice for Christ. Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long to be oh, When you look back at your life, what moments stand out to you? There are probably some pretty great ones, getting married, having kids, graduations, and celebrations. But I imagine there are also a few you'd rather not remember. The ones that come back to run through your head at night as you try to fall asleep. When we take a look at the stories of some of the Genesis characters, 
We see it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. These people you meet made their fair share of mistakes, but that didn't disqualify them from being used by God. God built a nation from human beings who were far from perfect. And guess what? He wants to use you too. God has a plan for your life, and you can faithfully follow Him in the way He has made for you. You can be forgiven of your sins and start fresh, remembering the faithfulness of God since the beginning of time. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today in the Word with Pastor Mike Venizio and in my Father's house. This program is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. Check us out online at harvestnyc.org. There you'll find service times and our easy-to-find location. We have easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. If you aren't close enough to drop by, you can find links to our online streaming and more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thank you for joining us today. We're out of time for now, but come back and feast on the Word with us next time in My Father's House. Oh, my heart, not be troubled.